Oh my god, I still have to find somebody who can sing to sing my Do You Wanna Build a Death Star song. Do you wanna build a Death Star? My favorite part of that is the the marching montage in the middle. <laughs> yeah, the Starkiller Base construction montage. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's like my favorite part yeah. of that whole thing. I My favorite part is that it's a love song and it, it was written like less than a week after The Force Awakens came out and I was like already shipping it. I forget. Yeah. Was there a time before Kylux? We just got back from our toy haul. Yeah, it's Rogue Friday. We got some new Star Wars toys. And we'll have a video going up about that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you shouldn't concern yourself with that because it's episode 26. Episode 26 of the podcast. Book club episode. That's right. This is Imperial Hearts. It is a podcast about Star Wars. Star Wars toys. Star Wars books. Star Wars cartoons. Star Wars feelings. Star Wars ships. Yep. In every sense of the word. <laughs> and um, I'm your host, Dana. And I'm Jamie. And we're here with you to talk today about A New Dawn by J.J. Miller. <laughs> I don't remember his name now. John Jonathan Jackson Miller. Jonathan Jackson Miller, I hope you're proud of yourself. I hope you're listening to this. I hope you feel good about this book that you've written. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I'm totally going to tweet this at him. No, okay, he's, I'm sure he's, I don't know if he's on Twitter, and you are not going to tweet this at him. <laughs> because uh, I, I dare say, I can say ahead of time that it's... Uh, it's not good news for John Jackson Miller. <laughs> no. Um, before we get into our reviews, we want to talk about some other things. Yeah, uh, we can talk about this week in Star Wars. As we said at the top of the show, it's Rogue Friday, which was... Um, this well, when you're listening to this, it's going to be Monday. It's going to be Monday. Recording so on Friday. We are recording on Friday. So um that's 2016's equivalent of force friday which was 2015's um star wars toy release day that's basically what it is all the new star wars toys came out uh this year it's for rogue one and there's a wave of force Awakens stuff as well last year it was all the force awakens toys and um so this year uh we got all the rogue one pops came out today we bought three of them we did buy three of them we wanted to buy more but we couldn't find them yeah all of the smaller retails retailers didn't get any it was kind of a i guess like a major retailers thing so uh we got some of the ones that they had at hot topic i almost bought a death trooper mask helmet you were definitely pretty close to buying that i was 90 percent but then what made me not buy it was it doesn't have a back on it yeah it's just like a mask instead of a helmet why would you make why would you do that to me i don't know why don't you just put a fucking back on it to save you 30 dollars i would pay the extra 30 dollars for the back yeah i would just walk around town in a death trooper helmet it was pretty cool yeah yeah um that was at the Disney store. Uh, I also I got a Imperial Starfleet Squadron pin for my jacket because, of course, I did. I went in there and I saw a Rebel, uh, like an X-Wing Squadron pin, and I was like, yeah, I'll get a Rebel thing because, you know, I'll be, you know, Rebels. And then I spotted the TIE Fighter Squadron one and I... You realize your, your true allegiances? Yeah. To the dark side. Yeah. I, I couldn't let that TIE Fighter Squadron pin go, so... Fair. That's a bad sign for me. But we did get some pops. What did you get? I got us a K2SO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to get a C2. I wanted to get the droids, because I'm starting a droid collection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't find a C2. Yeah. I got a Hot Topic exclusive gin and Director Krennic. Cool. Yeah. They're going to live at work. Most of my pops live at work. 
So, yeah, it was fun. So, um, there really wasn't a lot of merchandise that came out that I wanted other than that. No, a lot of action no, figures yeah. and stuff. I don't... I don't collect action figures, so I, we didn't get any of those. And there weren't that many, like some, they had some action figures at the Disney store. Yeah. But I don't think they had, um, yeah, they don't really appeal to me that much. The droids, they had some die cast. I kind of uh, like the droids. That yeah. were quite cool, like the uh, C2B5 die yeah, cast yeah. series was very cool. But that, I think I would want to see the movie before I decided whether or not I really like that droid. Because I haven't seen the movie yet. I think that droid's going to be really good. I think so, too. I have some I'll have some good droid stuff to talk about in this book review. Awesome. I also, um, there was some more news that came out this week. They cast Jin Erso's mom for Rogue One. They told us who Jin Erso's mom is going to be. Yeah. Uh, her name is Valene Kane, and you might know her from The Fall which is a, a British television series starring Gillian Anderson. It's awesome. Um, and, that sounds uh, really awesome. It is really awesome. It's very tense, though. Very intense as well. It, it's um, sort, of, sort of about a serial murderer slash rapist. So it's kind oh, of... Oh, dear. It's um pretty intense show, but... Um, very well made, and I only watched the first season, so I don't I don't know what happens after that. But it's first season's very good, and uh, yeah. So the woman they pl- they cast to play her is younger than Felicity Jones. So the implication, of course, is that we see Lyra Urso in flashbacks. They've confirmed that they've cast Young Jin as well, right? And then Mads Mikkelsen's going to play the same character in both. Yeah. So, but I would imagine, and uh, well, they could age her up with makeup, but. I suspect that Lyra Urso is dead at the time of Rogue Yeah, everyone knows that in, you know, fantasy fiction, moms can't survive Yeah, past. exactly. This is a given. Exactly. So I, I think we'll see her die in Catalyst in the novel. That's my suspicion. By Krennic's hand. Uh, that's also my suspicion. That's what I so called it. So typical. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... It's very Star Wars. Yeah, that that's what Kept I'm... Killing moms. Kill your mom, yeah. That's that Hemingway quote. Kill your moms. <laughs> yeah, did right? Did Hemingway say that? <laughs> Just advice on writing. Right. Kill your moms. Right. Well, yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is the old mom in the sea. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's late, guys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We do not have a Star Wars movie with a real flashback in it yet. So, oh, really? Yeah, I I suspect this won't be a flashback. I suspect that's going to be at the front of the movie. That's what I was thinking too. That it's going to be the opening of the movie is going to yeah. be the past, and then they'll jump forward. I don't feel like Star Wars movies should have flashbacks yeah that would be very strange that was the that was the assumption i was making too and that they'll jump forward 17 or 18 years or whatever it is i don't know why i feel that way about flashbacks in star wars because they've never had them before it just feels very yeah yeah i don't know why so i i guess we'll see but um yeah it was cool to see that she's going to be in the movie at least for a while for a little bit until she gets murdered by death troopers yeah who knows uh, well, she probably gets murdered before. No, I don't know. I don't know what the timeline's going to be, but yeah, it'd be fun either way. And um, also, you've probably heard by now that uh, Alexandra Dayplat was replaced as the composer on Rogue One with uh, Michael Giacchino, who's a longtime collaborator of J.J. Abrams. Uh, and that was because Dayplot had a scheduling conflict due to the reshoots pushing back post-production of Rogue One. Oh. Um, I gotta say, I'm really disappointed. I know, he's like one of your favorite I composers. Know, he is one of my favorite composers, and uh, I was really looking forward to that. Michael Giacchino is okay, too. I think he's good. Yeah, he's good, and uh, I think... They're going to have a strong direction for the music anyway. Yeah. They're going to have a, you know, the director uh, is going to be giving them, I'm sure, a fair amount of sort of... Directing? Yeah. Going to tell them what to do with the music, I suspect. And there's the temp, you know, the uh, John Williams template 
to work from anyway. So as long as the music is appropriate, and uh, especially if it has the same tone as the stuff they're going with in the trailer, which is amazing, then uh, it's fine. Yep, should be good. still. Anything else happened this week? Mm, Nope. I read a bad book. Yeah, I struggled. I struggled. It was really hard to get through it. It was. This is the first Star Wars book that... I had trouble getting through. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I contemplated stopping. Yeah, this was the first time we thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe we're we not going to make it to the end of this book. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did. I am too. The end of the book was, I guess, the best part? I don't know. It got, I feel like it got better. Yeah, it did get better. So okay. I guess, do you want to get right into our review then? Yeah. Or did you have any Star Wars news today? Um, I bought some toys. Mm-hmm. That's it, though. Fair. I don't think anything else. Mm, I'm excited for Star Wars Dice Fighters. Yeah. Destiny. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to collect another Star Wars thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially in randomized booster packs that are going to force me to probably spend a lot of money yeah good old randomized booster packs this is the first time fantasy flight's done that in like a long time yeah they haven't they don't they're like well known for doing not that Mm -hmm. each booster pack you just get like one dice and a couple cards so i if those booster packs are expensive i don't yeah i don't know what i don't know what to do fair okay so we're gonna start out um by giving you some broad details so we're not going to this isn't going to be spoilers and then we'll have a certain point when we'll say this is spoiler territory um so a synopsis of the book is really hard to synopsisize because the story is just all over the place um but basically it's about it's kind of like an origin story for Kanan and Hera from Star Wars Rebels um, and they're kind of like fighting against capitalism. Yeah, yeah. They're fighting against like big oil. I don't know, like <laughs> yeah. And the villain of the book is the villain of the book is General Grievous, the management consultant. <laughs> it, like that's. It, he's a cyborg management consultant. He he's just, yeah. It, it's he goes around and he makes imperial like controlled corporations more efficient. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and he writes, you know, he's got like a best-selling management business book. He's a business coach. He's a business coach. Yeah, yeah. But he's like a cyborg. So and he's brought in by the emperor to increase productivity. Yeah. I think the the ironic thing the most ironic thing about this book is we asked for this book. I know. This was the yeah, we I know. we were like I wish we had a book about the corporations yeah. and and um you know building like early imperial corporations build, yeah. building stuff. Building stuff yeah. and mining and No, we did not say <laughs> mining. <laughs> That's so, the thing. The synopsis of this book is that um it's about mining. Yeah. It's basically entirely about mining. Yeah. I I like kept texting Jamie when I was reading this book and every time I'm like, it's still about mining. <laughs> yeah. I kept expecting it to be about more I kept expecting it to be more epic or something. Like yeah. it would like go in a direction I didn't expect. Yeah. But it never did. No, so it's it's Canaan and Hera from versus a mining corporation. Yeah, Kanan and Hera from Rebels and versus Skelly. <laughs> and Skelly. I'm a big fan of Skelly. I like Skelly too. Skelly's okay. like a fucking old prospector. <laughs> so, Kanan, Hera, Skelly, and a Celestin, uh, like but, surveillance. Forget her name now. Uh, Zaluna. Zaluna. Uh, versus big mining. Versus big mining. Yeah. And Ray Sloan's in there somewhere. She has barely a role in this yeah, at all. Yeah, Ray Sloan has a really small role. I like the role that she does have, but... 
and she's not in it very much at all. No. So yeah, the that's the synopsis. They sort of learn to rebel. The rebels they rebel okay. um, against big mining uh, on a you know backwards sort of shithole of a mining planet and its moon. It's like it's basically described as a shithole. It's like a mud. It's a, yeah, it's planet um, planet mud. And it's basically. it's always dark. It's always it's nighttime. The most boring setting and the most yeah. dry characterization. It's just like I hope that you're proud of yourself, John Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I feel like he really likes Count Vidian. I feel like John Jackson Miller thought that Vidian would be a likable character. Or an interesting character. Yeah, I, I don't think he intended him to be likable. No, but he intended him to be, like, you know... Compelling. He's compelling, like an interesting character. Yeah, like, Vidian is the cyborg management consultant. Count Vidian. He's the he's the villain. Um, and so this book came out uh, in September of 2014, just before season one of Rebels. And that's... I think that's one of the most interesting points about this mm-hmm. book. Because I feel like... Kanan and Hera's characters weren't really established yet. Yeah. Like, he probably didn't get to watch all of season one. Yeah. Um, although I did hear that Dave Filoni gave him some coaching and stuff. Right, that makes sense. Um, so, okay, I guess we should put a spoiler warning here. Okay, here's our, our uh, so, klaxon spoiler warning. <laughs> 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 we didn't want to step on we can't, anyone's we can't, we can't afford the official Lucasfilm one, so we're just going to have to go with, like, <laughs> that's, that's the Rogue One. That's, yeah, that's the Death Star. Edition of the Death, Death Star alarm. Death Star klaxon right there. Okay. So that's the spoiler alarm. Yeah. Um, okay, so my main problem with this book is that Kanan is your point of view character. Yeah. And his characterization of Kanan is the most unlikable character I've read about in a long time. He's disgusting. I hate him so much. I don't like like I don't like being behind his eyes. Yeah. You know, because he's like constantly fucking thinking about Hera's butt. <laughs> and like her head tails and actually he thinks about her head tails a lot less than I expected he would yeah same same yeah, yeah. like I really like her head tails it's it's very they're very rarely he's just actually. constantly hitting on every woman and it's really weird it's so weird like it's really weird and it's so distracting and so weird yeah. and it just makes you you're like you know if this guy was here I would like not want to talk to him the, I, I think the weird thing is, so, the book is apparently set six years before Rebels. Sure. So, we didn't read this book ahead of time. You know, we've watched two seasons of Rebels. Yeah. Kanan's character is so different. He's... That, as to be basically unrecognizable. Yeah. He, he's not... He doesn't have a lot in common with his... Rebels incarnation. No. Who is almost like he's like a stern dad yeah, in Rebels. He's really responsible and yeah, and, and like not creepy. Yeah, so it's like the impression that you get is okay, so this guy's really cleaned up his act in the last six years yeah. because at the time that this book is set, um of course we know if you watch Rebels, Kanan is one of the only surviving Jedi from Order sixty six. Right. And so he as a teenager uh, named Caleb Doom, his master, Dapa Balaba, is killed by her clone contingent, and Kanan escapes. He, she helps yeah, him yeah. escape. And he spends um, year, a couple of years on the street, you know, like, and he, he sort of hides. He gets Obi-Wan's message, and he doesn't... He goes underground. Right. He stops using the Force. He stops using his lightsaber. Um, in this book, you find out that he basically drinks himself into a force stupor so that he, he like doesn't have the constant access to the force and he becomes like a miner and he, he goes into this like crappy ass planet and, uh, is like a mining pilot. I don't know. He does mining shit. And, um, then 
you know, he meets up with Hera and they have this mining adventure where they rebel. And then uh, at the end, you know, they go off in the ghost together. And then six years later, we see him um, as the character in the show. Who is, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty staid, you know, kind of reserved, sort of stern with Ezra, kind of disapproving. Not creepy at all. No. Uh, like, the canon in the show doesn't even hit on Hera. And, like, they've been... Yeah. Who knows what they've been doing for the last six years. But Space Mom and Dad have, like, a nice relationship and not a creepy-ass one. And this Kanan, who is a drunk, as we discussed, and a this, like, drunken vagabond minor, like... So weird and creepy. Why is he hitting on everyone all the time? Why did why did this why did the author think that this would be a compelling main character? I don't know. So here's my biggest I mean, I don't know, whatever, John Jackson Miller. But maybe he's just like this. But this book, okay, here's my here's my like one step to make this book good. Yeah. Hera's the main character. Yeah. Right? Because the most compelling thing about this book for me was that you get to see the Hera is like one of the founding members of the rebellion. Yeah. And like, so if, if you had this book be about Hera finding Kanan mm-hmm. and it's from her perspective, yeah. it's a completely different story and it's way more important to yeah. the overall saga. Especially if we have her interacting occasionally with. Uh, with Bail Organa? No, 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 no. no. This I, is before then. This is before then, which makes it more interesting, mm. right? I don't mm. think that the, I don't think she really even has right a network yet. It's just her. It's just her, right. and maybe she's like because the the impression that I got in this book is she's been going around talking to people, yeah. and being like, "Hey, would you be down for this if we were to do something?" Right. Um, I don't think there's even anything. I think this is before. That's fair. Yeah. Right? Like before Fulcrum, and like, before. And that's yeah. such a cool story to me that, like, because that's one of the cool parts about Rebels is you get to see the rebellion starting. Yeah. So in this book, like, they could have actually added to the lore if you have Hera, you know, like, she's, like, like from her perspective, she's mm-hmm. on this. You could still have POV stuff from Kanan, mm-hmm. but, like, not make it Kanan's story. Yeah. Because Kanan is at his lowest point, and, and then he, like, gets over it mm-hmm. but he's still kind of at a low point yeah um so that that would be my like i want this book to be a, i mean this story could have been interesting from a different perspective mm-hmm. or maybe more race loan yeah because all the stuff from her perspective was cool too yeah well, race loan is a good character and I think um, I thought Vidian wasn't that bad either. No, Vidian grew on me too, especially yeah. when we, we got so eventually when he's introduced, he's kind of comically villainous. Uh yeah, he's a cyborg so he his everything except his brain has been basically replaced by droid parts. He basically has no very little human left in him. Yeah. And he um just like straight up murders a bunch of people yeah um because it would be more efficient i don't know he's being mm, murdery. He's, he's super murdery he's very murdery and uh later on so he he's always kind of positioning himself as like all these decisions that he makes he's like um positioned as kind of a thrawn where he's got all of these decisions yes. are like super well thought out in advance and he's always one step ahead of everybody and he's he's super smart and uh, and then one of the reveals is basically that he is an unreliable narrator. Yes. And that he's actually got his own agenda, which is sort of personal and also motivated way more by emotion than he pretends that he is. Um, do, you, do you know where I thought it was going? Where? Because, like, they have this reveal where it's like, oh, Vidian's not actually Vidian. Yeah. I thought he was going to be full droid now. Oh. Like it was like an like it was like a droid had taken over a human's body. Okay. Like IG eighty eight style. And then when did. yeah, and then when they defeat him, he's Chopper at the end of the <laughs> and, and That's why Chopper's such a dick. <laughs> oh my god. Right? 
<laughs> no, seriously. Like, that's yeah. what I would... That was, like, my yeah. fan... Right. Like, I didn't think that yeah, was yeah. going to happen. That's, that was your headcanon. But I was like, oh, shit, and then it becomes... <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Right? Wouldn't that have been yeah. the best ever? Yeah. So, um... Also, why, why does this book have... Like, why don't we introduce Zeb or Sabine? Is it's really early. I guess, but, like, if it's going to be a prequel to Rebels, like... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they couldn't... The thing is... I like the other two characters. But... Yeah. I mean, the thing is that... The the one thing that surprised me so much about this book is how small the scope was. It was so small. I kept expect, Like I said, I kept expecting it to get bigger. Yeah, because they, they go to this shithole mining planet where they're mining this Thor- special... Thorline. Yeah, this special mineral. Thorium. Yeah, and uh, we, like, I keep expecting them to leave and go have, like, a big adventure, but no, they just stay yeah, around this mining planet. It never escalates. No, it, it, it doesn't get epic. Um, so it makes sense to me why they didn't introduce all those new characters, because why the heck would Zeb and Sabine be on fucking gorse? It's like... I don't know. Crap, outer rim... Mining, I don't know. Anyway, it was about mining. It's a lot about mining. And it, it's like... And management. Yeah, we should be careful what we wish for, because we did wish for industrial espionage in the beginning of the empire and it it delivered in a really limp noodle kind of way it was like this was not what i asked for do you know who i want more action from who the droid baron oh yeah the, like vidian's yeah um, vidian's rival rival the like droid baron who's like turning, yeah i don't know i just i think it'd be funny to see more of him yeah and and i think the concept of the book is interesting um, yeah. Except for the mining, but uh, it just—it never delivers. It just—it just has no implication on the wider story at all. No, and it's not. I, and I okay, yeah. That's what one of the other things I texted to you was like. This book either has to have interesting characters or an interesting plot, mm-hmm. and it didn't have either. No, I think like that's. Most books have one or the other, and that's yeah. why you read it. Yeah, it's like character driven or plot driven, and but like the plot in this book is like I don't really care what happens if this planet blows up. No, like why would they they establish this planet as being uniformly terrible? Yeah, and everybody's lives are the worst. And same and with then, Kanan. It's yeah, like, and we're supposed to care that it's going to blow up, and we're like, well, like. I don't really care because this planet is a shithole. It's the worst planet, yeah. And I'm, I, I don't care. And I like I don't care what happens to Kanan either because he's an asshole. Yeah. And he's not. Well, by the did the um when that Obadiah character got introduced, did you? Yeah. It's like, oh, that guy's gonna die. <laughs> he's gonna do an Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. He's your Dumbledore. His name is literally Obadiah, which is like Obi Wan, pretty much. I thought it was Okadiah. It's Okadiah. Okadiah. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah, he's like he's a like grizzled old man prospector. Clearly, that like mentor character who's gonna yeah. die halfway through the book. Yeah. The minute he was introduced, I was like, <laughs> "That's what's that's what's gonna happen here." Yeah. So, um, I think there are some interesting lore app, uh, implications that um. I I do want to talk about. Because I think that there were, okay. there is things that this book says about the world and the new canon that were some of the things I was hoping for from an industrial espionage sort of. This was the first new canon book, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so I don't know if we want to get into those now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. Go for it. So. One of the, the main thrusts of the book is that the villain's motivation is he's trying to get as much of this this mineral called Thorolide out of these planets as possible because the Emperor keeps raising the quotas on him. We need this material because it's used in the creation of Star Destroyers. And uh, uh, the military industrial complex is selling the emperor on star destroyers that's what this character thinks is happening is that the the big corporations who build star destroyers have convinced the emperor that he needs to build 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So they're they're mining this mineral. Okay. And so uh, the droid baron that Dana alluded to is sort of in the Emperor's inner circle, and he's relaying messages to Vidian, being like, well, oh, the, the Emperor's raised the quota again. Guess you better get more of this stuff. So then he's desperate to mine this planet, which is going to cause it to blow up, etc., etc. It's form the main plot, because the main characters want to stop him from destroying the planet in order to get more minerals. Whatever. So, but there's a couple of things about that very peripheral background information that I think is is potentially really interesting. Okay. And that is, is this true? Is the Emperor after building more Star Destroyers? Or is it for the Death Star? Yes. Is it for the Death Star? And so they establish relatively, you know, about a third of the way through the book, that what Thorolide is used for is to stabilize the... It's used as a stabilizer for firing turbo lasers because mm. otherwise it's going to like the turbo laser would like blow the structure apart of a Star Destroyer. Interesting. So we've got this sort of establishment of this desperate build of this like we need to we need so much of this material. We know that the Death Star has been under construction at this point for what 10 years already maybe. Like, a, it's certainly, you know, five years. The timeline's a little vague. Yeah. But um, it's escalating anyway, because the Emperor keeps keeps bringing up this quota. And as well, so let's say part of it is for the Death Star, which is never established, but I think you could, you know, you could potentially make that inference yeah. from the text. It makes sense to me. Even if it's not... What does the Emperor need all those Star Destroyers for? And and with such desperate, like, hunger. The thing is, like, all the characters like Hera and Skelly and Kanan, everybody's like, okay, the, the Empire exists to, to fund itself. It's just a, like, a constantly eating machine. And we see also, we see this also in Lost Stars, where the Empire is sort of ravenously consuming natural resources to build its military machine. And we just get this, like, um, almost caricature of this sort of corporate greed where every resource is poured into mining and stripping minerals and et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then all the rebels are like, well, the emperor just wants... A big empire. So, are you saying, like, you think he's preparing to fight a war against someone else? Against the Izong Vong? Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Izong Vong confirmed. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think it's interesting that we get we we have this. It's it's this constant background theme of how ravenous the empire is for natural resources, hmm. and none of the characters ever know why. And they just assume, because the Empire is evil, that it just does that. Because why the hell not? But I think that, yeah, sh sure. I, it's I su a bit of a stretch. But I think it's a bit of a stretch. But I can see where you're going with yeah, that. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of... Sure. The, the, the level of desperation involved that's implied in this constant sort of resource mining, I think... Yeah, he wants to build a Death Star. He's got to finish the Death Star. I think that's could, that could be what you take away from this. But maybe he's building a military machine for something. And maybe one day we'll get that story. I don't know. I hope we do. I think that would be a really interesting story. But I feel like Palpatine has got some shit going on. We don't know what it is. But I think Palpatine has got to have some motivation other than just do you think we're going to find out in episode 8 no I doubt episode it episode 9 I don't know episode 10 I don't know I just I would like to see that yeah I feel like we've got to find out what Palpatine's thing was at some point and, and of course we know that Darth Plagueis is not canon anymore the novel that 
Darth Plagueis is canon, but the novel is the no- yeah the novel yeah, yeah. where we sort of have young Palpatine. That's not canon. Anymore. Although I was looking at some book lists, yeah, you told me that Revenge of the Sith novel is not canon, but I've seen on some lists that it is. Yeah, well, Pablo said it wasn't cal- canon anymore because well, of Ahsoka. Pablo says it then. <laughs> Yeah. Then that's fine. Senpai Hidalgo says that it's not technically say no more. (laughs) Anyway, I know that was a long walk about that was a long walk. It was a long walk, and I'm sorry, but I'm just I think that that's what I'm I'm trying to see some lore value in all this mining and all this sort of background (laughs) stuff, and that's that's where I'm going with it. I thought this book was a waste of my time, and. I hope that you don't go read this book, listener. Yeah. Do not read this book. It's a waste of your time. It doesn't establish anything about anyone. Um, If Vidian had turned into Chopper, (laughs) that would have been another thing. That would have been a fucking amazing. They just like they just transplant his brain into a um, yeah. astromech droid. Well, no, like it would have been. It wouldn't have been a human brain. Yeah, it would have been like right. He's droid. full droid now. Yeah, so it would have been like you know, like oh well, we can't kill him. Let's just trap his personality in this <laughs> astromech. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Uh, I don't know. That's just where my brain goes. Yeah. So what have you got next? Thirsty science officers? <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, so there's some value to this book. There's there's like this science officer character who's so thirsty for murder. <laughs> she's in like two scenes. She's in two scenes, but she's my favorite character. And like the guy in the audiobook does this amazing voice for her where she's like she sounds like so aroused by the concept that like I think the scene she's in, she's talking to Vidian about, like, what's going to happen if the planet gets drilled or yeah. something. And they're like, basically, she's explaining how the planet would probably get destroyed, mm-hmm. but then they could harvest all the minerals. Mm-hmm. And and then she's like, honestly, it would be kind of exciting just to see what would happen, even if all those people die. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's, like, so aroused by this idea that, like... um you know, of experimenting on a whole planet. Yeah. Like a science experiment. Yeah. Anyway, she's the best. And yeah, Ray Sloan hates her. Yeah, Ray Sloan's like, what the fuck is wrong with this lady? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ray Sloan is really good in this book too. Yeah. Um, I like, I like that she solves the problem at the end of the book by arresting him. Yes. I love that. Me too. Like they don't murder him. They like, they like, find a way to use the legal system against him yeah they discover that he's actually been yeah he's actually a criminal he's been sort of working against the interests of the empire he's just been working for his own interests yes yeah and she uh she arrests him i think that's one of the things i really like about ray sloan is like she's our surrogate imperial character because she's like not one of the bad ones Mm mm-hmm um, like she does like she just likes to follow the rules and she actually believes the empire can be a good thing yeah and yeah. there's a there's a really interesting perspective um at in one of her scenes where she talks about her and the uh droid baron yeah as being new imperials there hmm. they came of age since the empire was formed and so she's um she's thinking about how all of her superiors in the navy are all republicans basically they were all from the like republic army and they don't have a lot of vision but she can't she's looking forward to an empire staffed by people who grew up under the empire who like sort of like true believers and who like have the vision and um sort of loyalty and and you know fervor to take the empire where it needs to go and of course we see that play out for her in aftermath which yeah, is to say yeah. not super well no no you know not doesn't it, you know it, it the empire doesn't really exactly go in the way she's hoping i really want to read the cane in comics now yeah because i want to see like do they follow up straight from this 
Well, because it's set before. It's set like when he's a kid. I don't know if it no, flashes no, forward it's, in time. No, no, it flashes forward. Yeah. Um, like issue one to six are set when he's a kid, and then right. issue seven to whatever is set after, I believe. Okay. Because I've seen pictures of like Zeb and Sabine. Yeah, and I thought I've seen pictures of Ray Sloan too. Ray Sloan's in that with, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it flashes, it's like the first six issues are when he's a kid. Right. And the last six issues are when he's an adult. So I really want to see more Ray Sloan in there. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the only thing she's in, basically, is this book, that comic, Aftermath. Yeah, and Life Debt. Life Debt. Maybe some other interstitial. I th- I think that's... One of the most interesting things is she's one of the only major new canon characters who who makes those crossovers. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too. Where she's here, um, introduced by John Jackson Miller, and then picked up in a really significant way by Chuck Wendig in in Aftermath. Yeah, I agree. It was interesting. I I think it's... We don't see a lot of her in between that, and I Mm -hmm. think... It's interesting to see where she ends up. And she's yeah. she's a really good character in Aftermath. And like we've discussed, she's basically your other protagonist. Yeah, in every book she's in. Yeah. Um, and like maybe that's, maybe that's the idea is that the reason they put her in these other books is because it's like, well, we need like an Imperial protagonist. Mm-hmm. And like, why don't we just use Ray Sloan? Yeah. You know, like, because she's already, she already exists. Yeah. And maybe they're just like, well, we already have one of those. Let's just use her. Yeah. And it's cool. And I, I like to see what both of them do with her. Yeah. And I think, um, John Jackson Miller can die. <laughs> Sorry. I think he, I think he, um, he makes Chuck Wendig look pretty good. Oh, yeah. Like, we were pretty hard on Mr. Wendig. Yeah. But I appreciate Chuck Wendig now. Yeah. Because John Jackson Miller... I, I've i seen the dark side now. Y- yeah. I don't understand how this book... This book is so bad that... I mean, I guess the prose it, isn't that bad. No, it's, and it's, it's like, not the worst. Maybe if it was... I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't have any expectations. I had no idea what it was about. I just thought it would be kind of comparable to Aftermath. Yeah. You know, like, Aftermath was okay. Mm-hmm. It was okay enough that I kept wanting to read. Yeah. Um, with this one, I just... That's just... I don't know. It's it, so bad. It was very dull. Um, What's insane to me is that there's people who reviewed, gave this book positive reviews. Yeah. Like, a lot of people. Yeah. Gave this book positive reviews. So, like, what did they have that we don't have? I don't know. And I think maybe they just liked the canon character. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think, like, the prose was fine, but there there was... I, I do have, like, a really big complaint, and that is... Um, and, and, like, obviously, I haven't written a Star Wars book, so... Who am I to complain? But well, your fan fiction that you wrote was better than this. But the point is, is that this like, there is so much tell. The guy, the yes, worst, the yeah, worst yeah, part yeah. of his his tell versus show was how often he um, there. There's a couple um, near the sort of first third of the book who run like a mining company, one of the little mining companies, yeah. and it's run by a husband and wife team. And the prose is constantly telling us how sappy they are and how much in love they are and how soft they are in each other. Mm, And then their dialogue is just like, hey, can you help me out with this thing? Good job. Like, it's so tame. Yeah. But the prose is selling us really hard on how sappy they are with like. And I was like, but they're not being sappy. I was like, why are you telling me this? And so there's just and there's a uh, all the scenes where. Ray Sloan is complaining in her head about the thirsty science officer. <laughs> you don't really get a sense of why she hates her so much, except that the narrator is telling us she thinks she's awful. Yeah. And you're like, why though? She's just... I was like, yeah, she's maybe seems a little too enthusiastic about this. But like, if you think about it without the voice, 
it just comes across as like slightly enthusiastic. Right. But Ray Sloan is like, I hope, I wish I could push this character out the airlock. And you're like, what? That's kind of extreme. She's very slightly annoying. And, and like, all these characters are like, ew, gross. Gord and Lal are always, like, making eyes at each other. And then they're like, right. they don't even call each other pet names. Hmm. They don't even call each other, like, you know, please, please go take care of this for me, dear husband. You know, like, there's, there's no pet names. There's no, it's just so weird. Like, yeah, he, he's constantly yeah. telling us that these things are supposed to be happening. And I'm like, well, I don't see any of these things happening. So I don't believe you. And I, so it was, uh, yeah. And then we had to, Kanan had to remind us every five minutes about how hot he thought Hera was. Yeah. And it was like, okay, one time, one time would have been enough. We get it. It's like, it keeps going. And I think it's, it's really interesting. Like it kind of does this thing where it's, um, has this common message in a lot of mass media where Mm -hmm. like, he's like being really gross to her the whole book yeah and she's like not having it yeah and then at the end of the book she's like you know what it's okay maybe i am into him yeah and i'm like why because <laughs> he's a jedi because you just like yeah because like that's totally what happens at the end of the book yeah. she's like you know what maybe he's not so bad after all maybe i do want to fuck him yeah and it's like why why where did that come from because the bar is set so low for his behavior yeah when he's when he's not the absolute worst it makes him seem like you know a good person by comparison and you're like maybe we you know like maybe we stop setting the bar so low that when people act like humanly decent they suddenly become fuckable it's weird it is super weird yeah and, and i think surprisingly common yeah you see this kind of storyline a lot and yeah and and i think like you pointed out that they might have been trying to do kind of a han solo thing i think they were yeah yeah i got but that vibe he's not han any, solo's like, charming though stop trying to do a han solo thing because you it never it's never as charming as han solo yeah exactly and like, i think like han solo's behavior in those movies it's kind of awful and the only reason it's it's like the only thing that pulls it off is the performance yeah like if anyone else was to do that yeah the kind of shit that he pulls yeah it's like you know and and the thing with han solo is that he's actually not nearly as suave as everybody thinks he is no he's the worst how it works out is not even that he's you know, he's hot or whatever. It's because he's sort of pathetic. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> totally. Princess Leia's like, yeah, mm. you're not a lady killer. I know you think you are. Yeah. But you're actually yeah, just yeah. kind of a pathetic dork. And like... Definitely. That's what's funny about it. It's like, the, you know, Han Solo's best scene, in my opinion, my favorite scene in A New Hope is when he's on the phone with the uh, like stormtrooper captain, and he's like, "No, we're we're fine here. We're fine. Everything's fine." <laughs> and you know, like he's he's a dork. Yeah, he's a dork, and he's it's not true. he's not nearly as um, you know, debonair and and devil may care as he likes to think he is, and that's why it's funny, and that's yeah. why he's charming. I he, think that's what I meant by charming. Yeah, is like he's he's not um, not charming as in he's like suave, but yeah. charming in that he's like likable. Yeah, he is yeah, likable because he's kind of like not perfect. Yeah, he's, he's a dork. And the yeah. thing with Kanan and or like a character like Dash Rendar <laughs> is that we can uh, Dash Rendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that the they, those characters don't have that sort of. You know, you don't have that flaw to make up yeah. for them thinking that they're this hot shit who, like, everybody wants to sleep with. Kanan's got this really weird everybody-wants-to-sleep-with-me complex. And Hera's, yeah. you know, Hera calls him out on it a couple of times. And she's like, look, this is not nearly as charming as you think it is. Yes. But he never stops. No. And... He does it to more than just Hera. Oh, yeah. He hits he on Ray Sloan, Ray too. Sloan, and Ray yeah. Sloan is like, what the fuck, dude? Who's with this guy? He was like, no. Just no. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's funny. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. But it's, uh, 
it's just so unnecessary. And it just... Yeah, no, we get it. Hair is hot. We don't need every single character to friggin' comment on it every time. And uh, if you want us to feel sorry for your shithole planet, don't act like you've never seen a girl before. God. Yeah, it's gross. God. So it it actually really made me appreciate um, like af- the the romances that were in like aftermath and life debt because like at least Wedge Antilles never thinks about how hot Nora Wexley is all the time. Yeah, um, and never yeah, likes true. Never moons about how he can see the stars in her eyes or some shit. I it's like know. the thing like when you're reading aftermath, you're like judging it on this base level of like decency, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. it meets. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone in that book is like a decent human being, yeah, and nothing awful happens. Mm-hmm. And it's an okay book. Yeah. Um, I just didn't realize you could go lower than that. <laughs> and like now I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, that was just like, you know, Claudia Gray is good. Chuck Wendig is okay. <laughs> and John Jackson Miller, please no. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, no thank you. Yeah. You can go now. <laughs> you know what, though? I was thinking about it. I what? think this book does pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, because uh, Hera and, and Zaluna, Zaluna have, 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 conversations have conversations that are not about men. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Yeah. I don't mean to defend this book, but... No, that's true. As a side point. I don't even know that that, that can be a defense. <clears throat> it's like, not a defense, but it's, it's just it's it's an fact. It's interesting true. fact. It's an interesting fact. Um, it's like Aftermath barely barely hits that. I don't know if it does. Yeah, no, yeah, because Nora has a bunch of conversations with her sister and her sister's wife, and then about Temin. Yeah, <laughs> but then also um, she talks to um, Jazz. Yeah, I'm sure. Too. I'm sure it does. I'm, I, and she has a, some conversations with Leia um, about the rebellion and stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure those books meet the Bechdel test. Oh, you said you wanted to talk about. Oh, the droid stuff was the chopper stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also um, an ITO interrogator droid in this book too. Oh yeah, and I really like the use of it. He he also saves the day. Yes, unintentionally and unwittingly. By but, being controlled by remote control. But, yes, but uh, but it's an ITO. Yeah, so that's yeah. like ITO watch. That's uh, book number <laughs> book number two. Um, ITO. ITO watch. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I, I feel I feel bad coming down so hard on this book because, yeah, like, we didn't write a fucking Star Wars book, so who, who the heck are we to say anything about that? But I... Yeah. It is, it, like, you know, I, I hate giving negative reviews to things for that reason, um, but I just... That's what we've set up to do on this podcast. We review Star Wars books and I gotta say, I would not... This is our first one that I'm officially saying skip. I would... I would give this a 1 out of 5. I was gonna give it a 2. I'd give it a 1. Okay. I would say... Yeah, I can't think of any reason to read this book. Yeah. If you're a completionist, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you want to complete the new canon, I guess read this book. If you really like Kanan... Yeah. Well, if you really like Kanan, though, I think you'll be disappointed because he's yeah, he's, probably. he's an incredibly different character from his Rebels character. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't know any reasons to read this book. So I, I'm gonna safely say Imperial Cutie rating of one. This is not a cute book. No. No. This is the opposite of cute. Not very cute. There's nothing cute about this book. Zaluna is kind of cute. I was just going to say, Zaluna is the cutest part of this book. Actually, Skelly had, had like some cute Skelly- stuff, too. <laughs> I really like in the audiobook, too, they like give Skelly this like really funny accent. Oh, didn't you tell me what kind of accent he has? He's kind of like, I don't know if this is right. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm mixing up accents, but it's kind of like a Brooklyn. That's right. You told me he's he kind like of like a accent. New York accent. That's kind of amazing. He... Yeah, it is kind of amazing, actually. Skelly, yeah, Skelly is like this Clone Wars veteran uh, so bombing is, expert. Is he a clone then? No, wait. No, he's a redhead. 
Okay, yeah, They yeah, mentioned a couple right, times right. that he has red Because I was wondering, so. like, I was reading this book, and I'm like, he's a veteran of the Clone Wars. Is he a clone? And who else fought in the Clone Wars other than clones? Well, because they had all the regular um, Republic officers and stuff, too, weren't clones. Like, mm, uh, okay. Hugh and he was a demolitions expert in the Clone Wars. Right, okay. And yeah, they established at one point that he has red hair. Right, and the clones mostly have black hair. Yeah. Like, he's a natural redhead, I think. So, okay. He's, yeah, he's this demolition. He would have been a way more interesting character if he was a clone. Yeah, that would have been cool, actually. Yeah. But I don't for think sure. he was. But yeah, he's a sort of PTSD suffering Clone Wars veteran who is trying desperately to stop the Empire from blowing up this moon because he thinks that they don't know they're going to blow up the moon by mining too hard. And, uh. Mine too hard. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, he's kind of a cute character. He's got some cute stuff. I like. I thought he was going to die in the first five minutes. Me too. But then he keeps sticking around, and then he keeps not dying. Yeah. No, and, they keep around like the whole time. Yeah, I was surprised. Me too. So, and I love his uh, the scene with his apartment. His apartment is the best, like one of the best parts of the book. He's, I agree. He's got like yeah. a friggin' Kowloon Walled City style bootleg apartment that he's yeah, like scrawling cool. planetary science all over the walls and he's like a conspiracy theories yeah he's yeah. got a conspiracy wall and he's jacking a holonet feed from somebody's like food cart that's outside in the alley and uh he's just kind of a funny character and yeah i like him a then lot. there's a celestin sort of security surveillance nsa character yeah. and she's pretty adorable and she's an interesting character and she's got a good arc and um, they do. They do a really cute voice for her too. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. She's like, kind of sounds like, um, you know, like the cartoon character Droopy the dog. Yes, <laughs> she sounds like Droopy the dog. But like cuter. <laughs> She's like just kind of like this the whole time. <laughs> She's very like okay. I don't think any any of the other Solaston characters in the speak movies English. Spe- speak basic. Yeah, no, no. I think they speak Solaston. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I really like. That's adorable. It's really cute because she kind of sounds kind of like sad all the time. Oh, it's really Poor cute. Poor Zaluna. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I like the audiobook for this. Is I yeah. It's better than. I mean, I didn't read the physical book, so yeah. So. Unfortunately, Imperial Hearts buddies, this one is a no-go. Save your money. Don't do it. Save your credits on other books. Save your credits. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, I I feel guilty, but I can't. I can't recommend it. It's... I can't. It's too much. So... So what's the next book club? Episode 30. Tarkman. Tarkman. <laughs> Tarkin. Yeah, um, by James Lucino, who uh, is also the author of Catalyst. Yes. So it'll be Tarkin, episode 30, and then Catalyst, episode 34. Yes, that's right. Um, so because this this podcast had to be recorded a bit early, we're not going to be covering this week's episode of Rebels. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be about Darth Maul. Sweet. And holocrons. So we'll probably talk about the next two episodes of Rebels on the next episode. Mm-hmm. And we will, yeah, we'll be putting up videos this week, too. Yeah. So. Yep. Hope you enjoy that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so uh, we'll catch you next week mm-hmm. on episode 27. Um. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, nobody died. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to find more stuff about Star Wars from me and Jamie, you can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or tweet at us at imperial underscore hearts. The music used in this podcast is clips from the song Breakfast with Tiffany by Broke for Free. Thank you for listening to the Imperial Hearts Podcast.
I forget. Yeah, was there a time before Kylux? The the before times? The before times? I guess there must have been. I don't remember a time without Kylux. <laughs> before my time. <laughs> I do, actually. When I first watched The Force Awakens, I didn't even register that Hux was a character. I know. I remember when I mentioned him, you were like, oh, that was the same guy like, in all oh, those scenes. Oh, he was like an officer? Well, everybody remembers the scene where he gave. I remember him the second time I watched it. Yeah, he stuck out to me the second time. Right, but not the first time. Yeah, and he only stuck out to me because I was already a Donald Gleason fan from uh, Harry Potter. Are we podcasting right now? I don't know. I thought we were doing a sound test. I did too, but we're having like a really interesting conversation now. <laughs> Let's stop it for the okay. sound test. <laughs>